The scripture this morning comes from John 14, verses 15 through 27. This is Jesus speaking. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, I don't know about you guys, but when I was a kid, I hated to be left alone. Like, I just couldn't, I couldn't handle it. My sister, if you could talk to her today, would attest that even when she really wanted to be alone, I wouldn't let her be alone. Uh, I was always in the kitchen with my mom, or in the yard with my dad, or in the living room with my dogs, or, and I kid you not, just waiting outside my sister's closed door in her bedroom, waiting for her to come out so that I could start to bother her again. I was the kid uh, where the timeout actually worked as a punishment. Uh, some of you out there, you're introverts, and when you got a timeout, you're like, this is great. I'll be gone for two hours. For me, it was like counting down the minutes. It was like torture until I could get out of my room. I'm still kind of like that. And here's my contention, is that really, at the end of the day, we're all mostly like that. Now, I know some of you, you like your, excuse me, you like your alone time. That's great. But no, none of us really wants to be alone. I don't want to be alone. It's the reason why and when you're a kid and you lose track of mom or dad in the grocery store, right, your stomach turns. It's really frightening or that feeling you get when someone breaks up with you or you get a bad performance review or no one likes your latest you know, Instagram post is because we're all pretty petrified that whatever's going on in those moments is more than just those things. It, it means that we're abandoned. It means that we're alone. It means that somebody doesn't want to be with us. It's why these pictures and these images that are coming out of Afghanistan these last few weeks have been so devastating for, for so many of us. Right, people, uh, 
chaos in the streets, clinging to airplanes, right? Trying to hand children over walls. Because we're, we're watching, in a sense, one of our deepest fears play out in real time in someone's life. The fear of being abandoned, being alone, left to pick up the pieces, left behind. This is the emotional state, I think, that we find the disciples in in our passage this morning. So you just heard it read. It's the end of the book of John, chapter 14, near the end of the book. And Jesus knows. He knows his crucifixion is coming. He knows his arrest is imminent. He knows his time on earth is coming to an end. And he is preparing his disciples, his followers, for uh, the fact that he's leaving them. What will be their darkest hour, these next few moments, right, in the, in the storyline, in their most dangerous moment, Jesus says to his followers, guys, listen, I'm leaving. Remember, these disciples, they have given up as best as they can everything to follow Rabbi Jesus. They've given up their homes, their uh, friend, friends, right? They left behind families to follow him. And they don't have the benefit of hindsight, right? That they know how the story ends. In the moment, they simply hear Jesus saying to them, I'm leaving. And Jesus saying, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Now, why? Why is it going to be okay, Jesus? Because he says to them, I'm leaving you a friend. Don't worry. I'm going to leave a friend with you. I'm going to send a friend. This is Jesus' word for the Holy Spirit. Friend. We've been in a series on the Holy Spirit the last few weeks. And uh, if you've been with us, you know we started in his role at creation, that the Spirit uh, breathes into us. We are all Spirit-breathed as, as, as image bearers of God. And uh, in the new creation, that the Spirit creates new life from dry bones. We looked at that in Ezekiel. We talked about how the Spirit gives gifts to God's people, both to serve one another and to serve the common good. And today we see, what does Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? How does he talk about this third person of the Trinity? And here's how Jesus summarizes it. He calls him our friend. And I want you to see where. So here's where we're going to be this morning. If you have your Bible, whether it's electronic or, or paper, turn to John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the fourth gospel in your New Testament, chapter 14. And we're going to be looking at verse 15 here to start off with. Here's what Jesus says about the Spirit. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. This is the ESV, by the way. To be with you forever even the spirit of truth. Now, ESV translates this helper. Um, if you have an NIV, it probably says counselor. Uh, other translations even have the word comforter here. These are all English words that are trying to get at a Greek word that is paraclete, which is notoriously difficult to translate. It can and does mean all of the words that I just said, but I think the best is from the message where it's translated friend. Think about it. A friend is a helper, they're a counselor, they're a comforter, they're an advocate. If I told you there's someone in your life who is all of these things to you, you would say, well, this person is a friend. Jesus says, I'm sending a friend. It's going to be okay. I'm sending a friend. Because you need a friend. We need a friend. This is the first thing you see in this passage. And I don't mean that in some cheesy way, like Toy Story, you've got a friend in me. Uh, and, uh, and, I don't, 
and I don't mean it like thank you for being a friend, like Golden Girls, okay? We're an intergenerational church. I want to take that seriously, so I wanted to pick. You get the idea. All right. But here's what Jesus means this in like a you uh, aren't going to make it without this friend kind of friend. Jesus points this out for, I think, at least two reasons. One, it's a reminder back to our first conversation of the Holy Spirit, which is to say that humanity, all of humanity, was designed by God to be in relationship with him. That we are all God-breathed, whether we acknowledge God or not, and we are not fully human as he intended us to be. We are not fully ourselves until we are in relationship with him. We, we need a friend. We need the spirit in that sense. But he also means it in a more specific way than that. He's saying you need a friend. You need a divine friend because life is going to be very, very hard for you. And he's, right, he's saying this to disciples who have just had the Last Supper with Jesus. His arrest is, is right around the corner and Jesus is trying to prepare them for what's coming. That's really all of chapters 14 to 16 is Jesus preparing his disciples for his imminent departure. Chapter 14 starts with comfort. Let not, let not your hearts be troubled. And chapter 16 ends with comfort. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. It's like, okay, Jesus, fair enough. You're trying to make us feel better about what, what will be a hard situation. But man, if that's the goal to make us feel better, he has a really funny way of doing it because right in the middle of those, in chapter 15, Jesus gives this pep talk, and here's how I would summarize it. He, he says to us, everybody's going to hate you, and I'm leaving. You'll be misunderstood. You'll be marginalized. You'll be persecuted because of me. And because of all that stuff, you'll be scared, and you'll be tempted to not follow me anymore. In fact, some of you are not going to follow me at all. You're going to fall away. And did I mention yet that I'm leaving? Okay. <laughs> It's not the most inspiring thing. But this is Jesus' point. Followers of Jesus need a friend. They need a divine friend because the Christian life is really, really hard. He's sending us a helper because we're going to need a lot of help. He's sending us a counselor because we're gonna, there are going to be times we don't know what to do or what to say. He's sending us a friend because there are times where we, we were, are going to feel lost. We're going to feel alone. Some of you feel this acutely right now, probably. Some of you are tired and you're ready to give up. Some of you are confused or even angry with God about something that he's allowed in your life. Some of you maybe are frustrated with other Christians. You're ready to walk away from this whole Christian community, church thing altogether. And, and listen, if you're not feeling those things right now, you will. Because Jesus says you will. It's coming. We should not be surprised by this because Jesus says it will happen. He says that life with him, while abundant and eternal, is not easy or comfortable. It's quite the opposite, actually. So we need each other. Yes, we need community. Remember that Jesus is not talking to one disciple here. This is a story of a community of disciples and Jesus, but he also points out that we have a friend Even as individuals, we have a friend, a friend for the hard stuff, for the painful stuff, for the confusing stuff, but not just any friend. We have a friend who will tell us the truth because we need a friend who will tell us the truth. I mentioned before that in this passage, Jesus refers to 
the Holy Spirit as paraclete four times, actually, throughout this passage. But just behind that, three times, Jesus calls him the Spirit of truth. And Jesus knows that when he leaves, we need a divine friend, but we do not need a divine yes man. We need a truth teller. And here's why I... This, I'm going I'm to get on a soapbox here a little bit. This is very important. This fact about the Holy Spirit. We, because we live in a time, perhaps more than ever, where, number one, it is, it is easier than ever to hear whatever we want to hear about whatever we want to hear it about. Right? We can go to the cable channel or the social media person who says the things about, that we want to hear about the things we want to hear it about. We can curate our own truth. It's easier than ever than it's ever been to really only hear what we want to hear. Okay, first, that's first. Second, um, while yes, we, we can go kind of find our truth, ironically enough, probably more than ever too, we are being shaped by voices that are not the Spirit who are defining for us what is true, what is good, what is beautiful. For example, there is increasing evidence that things like social media, okay, and I'm not anti-social media, but it, right, it's, a, it's a tool for good or for evil. It's tools, right? Social media, especially heavy use of social media for young people, right? The images that, that we see over and over and over again, they, they have a tendency to create negative feelings, in particular about body image, how we look, Right? even though the message of whatever you're watching probably has nothing to do with, with how you look. It might, but it probably doesn't. But you're, what you're seeing subconsciously, right, is that this is what it means to be a beautiful person. This is what it means, this is the good life. I'm looking at it. And if I don't have this, then I'm, I'm not worthy of that. Right? It's defining reality before our eyes. None of these things are actually telling us the truth. Because none of them are, are the friend sent by Jesus' Father. He tells the truth. The Spirit says, you are beautiful because you are handcrafted by the God of the universe. That's why you're beautiful. Not because someone liked your profile picture and doesn't define you. Right? The Spirit says, regardless of your favorite news pundit, you are called to love your neighbor as yourself, whether you agree with them or not. Whatever their politics or their immigration status or what they look like or how they dress, because Jesus said so. He says, This is your neighbor. Love them as yourself. He's a truth teller. The Spirit, in fact, may be one of the only people in our lives who is willing to tell us the truth even when it really, really hurts. Even when it really, really hurts. Even when it offends. Even when it angers us. Because the Spirit's role as our friend is to help us obey Jesus. That's like job number one for the Spirit. This, listen to how Jesus talks about him. This is John 14, verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Right? His job is to remind us what Jesus tells us about who we are, how we live. Later in 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. The idea here is the spirit will tell you the truth even if you don't want to hear it because that truth will make you more like Jesus. That's a true friend, a true friend. 
someone who wants you to be more like Jesus, because that is actually where happiness is found, and what Scripture will affirm to you over and over. And what I have found personally in my own life is that true happiness is only found in becoming more and more, apprenticing deeper and deeper with Jesus. That's where happiness is found. The Spirit knows that happiness for you will not be telling you what you want to hear. Happiness will only be found on the other side of telling you what you need to hear. And if you think hard about that, right, that the, the Spirit each and every day is going to tell us the truth, that that's what He does, that may not sound like good news for you. I get it. Because if you've ever been in like intense counseling, um, where you're with somebody whose primary role in your life is to point out the things about you and your relationships and your, in your past and your pain, to, to draw out things that you have spent every waking moment of your life avoiding, it's not always fun. It doesn't always feel very good. It may be intimidating for you to hear, like, yeah, the Spirit, that's what, that's what He's going to do. But I want you to know that that is good news. Because our, our sin, our disobedience, our shame, like the things we hide about any manner of thing, money, hatred, anger, sexuality, okay, whatever it is, however much we feel we need that, however much we, we get a temporary sense of, of pleasure or escape from those things, or however much we want to hide them from other people, all that that does is pull us further away, further into isolation from one another and alienation from God. It's, it's more loneliness. And a good friend doesn't want that for you. It's not what a good friend does. They don't enable that. Even if that's a really awkward conversation at first. They don't do that. Because it's like this, right? You're, it's like your life, you're like hiking on a trail. And if you're headed toward a dead end or a drop-off, what does a true friend do? Do they pat you on the back and hope for the best? They'll figure it out. Right? Did they tell you to follow your truth, like wherever it leads? Do they cheer for you as you plummet to the ground, like you lived an authentic life? Good for you. No. You need a friend who reminds you there's a better path. There's a better way. And the better path is always increasing obedience to Jesus. Because that's where happiness is found. That's where joy is found. So what we need is a friend who will grab us and pull us back when we're going the wrong direction, even if that really hurts or it's uncomfortable. Now again, we tend to assume that if there's a real truth out there in the world, if there's, if there's truth beyond what I want, what I desire, what I, what I think, that, if that, that, that will hold us back, that will limit us, that will restrict us. Right? There's, this is a huge cultural idea at our time. That what I want, what I desire, is what defines what's real. Not the other way around. But that, that, that's, it is true that a design by God, right, for your life, it limits you, but, but not in a bad way. Not unlike gravity limits you in a good way, okay? The law of gravity is a non-negotiable. But you can reject it. You can reject gravity's design in your life. And you can go up on top of a really high building and try to fly. But no one calls that freedom, right? That's, that's foolishness, okay? God's design, his moral truth, is a law like gravity. 
Yes, it will limit you, but it will set you free to be who you were created to be, to do what you were meant to do, to be the person God envisioned from the beginning. This is what the Spirit wants for you and why we so desperately need him to tell us the truth. And Jesus says, you have a friend like that. You have that friend. I know I've spent a lot of time on this, but it's important, okay? We live in a time that says, listen to your heart. Don't listen to your heart. Your heart's fickle. It's a liar. It will tell you this and that. It will change change constantly. Don't listen to your heart. Don't listen to these competing voices around you. Listen to the friend Jesus gives you. Right? Notice with me, primarily, who speaks loudest through his word, the Holy Spirit is is the primary author of of the scriptures, who speaks to you through his word and through other Christian community, people who know you, who believe and follow Jesus alongside of you, and then grow in obedience to that voice. You have someone in your life who loves you enough to tell you the truth. But are we listening? Are we paying attention? Maybe not. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, you know, Andrew, I've spent my whole life avoiding the truth about me because I'm terrified if anybody saw who I really am that they would abandon me. And my life experiences confirmed that for me. Okay? And in fact, if if you were sitting here today and you told me, Andrew, I've never worried about that. I've never worried about being transparent and someone leaving me because they saw who I really was. I would not believe a word you were saying. This is is a human problem for everybody, okay? We all deal with that. We all deal with the idea that, man, if I don't want to know, if I don't want to know what's true of me, I certainly don't want you to know what's true about me. And perhaps, as I said, you've experienced that. Someone has actually, you've, you've been vulnerable with someone. You've told them something. You've gone through something together and they punished you for it or they ignored you or they belittled you, and you learned right then and there, okay, I, I, I don't do that again. People walk out on me when I do that. And then you begin to live your life, like, man, if, okay, if she really knew, or if he really saw, or if, if they could only understand who I really am, they would leave me. Now, here's a really terrifying thought, okay, this Holy Spirit of truth that Jesus is talking about, he is no mere mortal, right? He sees everything about you. He sees more about you than you have seen about you. He sees the dark and hidden things. He sees the secret things, but he will never walk out on you. This is Jesus' main point, actually, of this whole passage. He says, this friend will not leave you ever because we need a friend who will not walk out on us. Yes, this friend will tell us lovingly, gently, but he will point out the truth about our sin. But he will also tell us the truth about our forgiveness. He will tell us the truth about grace. He will tell us the truth about Jesus' love. Because the Spirit's job, right, the primary way he makes us more like Jesus is by incessantly reminding us of Jesus' love and acceptance of us. To whisper his name over our shame and our guilt to bring his presence into our loneliness, into our confusion, our frustration. Listen to Jesus again here. This is, he's speaking about our friend. This is chapter 15, verse 26. He will bear witness about me. And then in chapter 16, verse 14, he will glorify me 
for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus is saying the Spirit will preach forgiveness and mercy to you constantly as God's people. The voice of God's love to us, and he will never stop. Never. Jesus promises, chapter 14, verse 16, the Spirit will be with you forever. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. And then chapter, or verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. That last line there is so important because you can read the entire Bible cover to cover with the question, where is God's home in mind? Where's God gonna dwell? Where's he gonna live? And the New Testament's answer through the Holy Spirit is wherever you are, that's where God wants to live. He wants to make his home with and in you. Together as his people, we are God's home. As individual believers, we are God's home and he will never leave, he will never walk away. And this makes the spirit a friend unlike any friend, that he will never go away. So for the most part, this whole time, I've been talking to the person who doesn't feel worthy of God's love. Let me now talk, let me change who I'm talking to. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, Andrew, I'm good. Holy Spirit, that sounds great. I got friends. I got family. Got a great life. Things are working for me. It's okay. I, I'm good. Let me tell you, let me speak to you for a second. Okay, your self-sufficiency and your relationships, okay, as good as they are, as important as they are, they will never be enough. They will never be enough. Our loneliness, okay, as humans, is too big for any earthly person to fulfill. Even our best friends will disappoint us. And even if they don't do it too much, eventually they will leave us. Even the most intense and intimate relationships will fail us. Okay, the most intense relationship, right, I have, I'm, I'm married. My wife, she's awesome. She's my best friend. I can't imagine life without her. And no matter what, no matter what I do, one day, either I'm going to go to her funeral or she's going to go to mine. No matter what. Inevitable. What do I do then? If I have built my life, my happiness, my joy, my security, my foundation, on that relationship, okay, even the best of relationships, that person, I, what happens when they're gone? Right? It, it would be a loneliness worse than death. It will fail me. Or for those of you who are single, right? Think this is true of your friends too. It'll be the same. If the Lord is gracious and we live long, we will, there will be a time in our lives where we are watching our friends being lowered into the ground or scattered to the wind until there's one of us left. And if that's the thing that I think is going to bring me comfort, is going to bring me life, is going to bring me hope, if that's the extent of my joy, what happens in that moment to me? And listen, yes, we need relationships. We need community. Truly, we do. We need the church. We need a tight-knit family. But they will never be enough. They can't be enough. We need another friend. We need another friend. A friend promised to us a friend who will tell us the truth, who will gently and lovingly pull us back from, dis from disobedience, 
from isolation, from loneliness, from lies, in, back to the truth. We need this friend who will never walk out on us, who will always be with us, who even in our final moments, right, and I know we don't like to think about this, but even in our final moments, whenever that is for us, as we prepare for the next life, in, the, in that moment where truly no earthly friend is of any help to you at all, we need a friend who will whisper to us the name Jesus and remind us that he's waiting for us with open arms. I want a friend like that. And I pray that you do too. Let's pray now. Father, for this incredible gift of your presence in and among us through the Holy Spirit, we give you thanks. This promise that you will never leave us or forsake us in life and in death, in the good times and the bad, in plenty and in want. You are always here. And that you, by, by telling us the truth, even we don't want to hear it, making us more like your son, bringing heaven and heaven closer to us every day, we give you thanks. And I pray for this room that the promise of your presence, your transforming presence in and among us, would empower us to work and to serve and to love and to grow like nothing else would. Holy Spirit, thank you for making your home in us. We pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.